Hello and welcome to News Speak, the New Culture Forum's weekly look at the news agenda. I'm joined as usual by our senior fellow Rafe Hadelmanku, broadcaster and historian, and also this week by Amy Gallagher doing a return visit. Amy is the woman uh, behind Stand Up to Work campaigner. Um, there's been one story that's dominated everything this week and that is the BBC and the Hugh Edwards Waltz. Is it a scandal? Isn't it a scandal? But we're certainly going to be discussing that. Also this week we saw the conviction of somebody for the murder of Thomas Parker. You might remember a young man who was killed at Reading Station last year when he had asked someone to turn their music down on a train. We're going to be looking at what that means for our general society. And then finally also there is a case of, well, if you want to pray and you don't particularly go along with abortion, then perhaps the worst place to be would be York Minster because apparently a pro-life group there has been banned. Um, starting with the BBC, uh, Ray, um, it's very confusing, this particular scandal. It seems to be multifaceted, if that's the right way. Uh, what's your feeling about it? My feeling Im immediately was the treatment that he's been getting from, if you, if you like, the broadcast and media um, is actually very sympathetic. I just thought, what if he'd been a GB News presenter? Yeah, I think that, that that's one of the issues here. I found the whole thing very distasteful, actually. I don't think anyone has come out of it very well. I don't think the BBC have come out of it very well in the, uh, in the, the, the slow, lackadaisical way in which they dealt with this, yeah. taking seven weeks, mm -hmm. failing to contact the parents of the, of the alleged child involved in all of this. I don't think The Sun has come out of this very well because of the way that they first reported the story uh, and then has sim and since then not backtracked but modified their language in subsequent articles trying to distance themselves from actually saying that this uh, child was 17 at the time this, these photographs were alleged to have been exchanged. Uh, and I don't think that people like you're talking about, people like John Sopel on the BBC and others have come out of it very well because of that stench of hypocrisy whereby mm -hmm. you knew full well if this had been Kelvin McKenzie who'd been accused of something, mm -hmm. if it had been uh, you know, Dan Wooten or somebody, you have, mm -hmm. would, have, would never have found the same degree of support and sympathy mm -hmm. from the usual suspects. Um, I can't stand hypocrisy and you know my, my, my great issue here of course has always been if someone stands to be, stands for a certain position and a certain set of moral values and they're found to be disagreeing with that or, 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 or blatantly fl um, flouting that in their private lives then they deserve to be shown up for example politicians who would for example yeah. campaign against gay rights and then have a very prolific gay lifestyle mm. but when you get to somebody who actually hasn't done anything wrong as far as we can see in this case and I don't think that anything has been done illegally. Uh, I think that what we've seen over the last few days has been quite distasteful because it's trial by social media. Mm. Facts came out slowly. Every day the facts changed the story so substantially that people were left with egg on their faces from things that they had said in the heat of the moment. And I'm talking about mainstream media personalities mm. who were so quick to leap to judgment. Just pausing for a few days mm. would result in a much saner environment. And so even though, of course, um, Hugh Edwards has done nothing wrong legally, but he may have acted inappropriately. I think the entire media frenzy that's come out of that has been unedifying for everybody. Did mm. you did you follow it on social media before? Yeah, so like a lot of people, I 
found out the identity of the person over the weekend. Straight away almost. Yeah, it was on yeah. there. I mean, we saw a bit too much, actually, in terms yeah. of pictures yeah. that were going around. Um, and it's very interesting. It has so many parallels to the Schofield uh, mm. story because the identity, you know, the things was coming out on social media, like with Schofield's young, young the boy, the, the young man that he was involved with, his identity was known in social media, but yeah. the press couldn't talk about him, couldn't name him. Yeah. And it's the same with this in that the information came through on social media, but the legacy media or the mainstream media couldn't fully report it. Yeah. So you had this strange thing in that the tabloid press were sort of breaking the story, but actually not breaking it because they weren't naming the person, they weren't being clear on the details. Mm. So it was this kind of strange situation again where it was was Twitter was where we're getting our information from I yes. don't quite know how I feel about that I think in some ways it's a good thing that there is this freedom of information but then of course there's downsides to it as Rafe was saying that there is trial by social media and and we don't people don't wait to hear the full facts and people jump to conclusions and it it can become a bit of a circus. Well, of course, if you, if you went onto Twitter to look to, to find out the name, as you know, as people yes. did do, mm. if you actually looked at the videos that were being linked to, they all involved uh, a young girl. Right. Okay. And so this yes. is how you get these yes. Uh, yes. misinformation being yes. spread. Not a single video. There were probably hundreds of videos showed a, showed a, showed a, a boy, mm. and this just goes to show how actually unreliable social media mm. is. But the Mail found out that one in six people already knew. Yeah the identity of Hugh Edwards just from doing their own research. Uh, I, th I was surprised it was so few actually. Mm -hmm. And once the name was released yesterday and I saw news articles being posted on the internet, I looked at the comments and I was amazed by how many people were shocked. So they mm -hmm. hadn't found out really? the information. Mm -hmm. And we, of course, we're more plugged in, I suppose, than most people. Yeah. And there was you know, a good two, one third to a half didn't know that this was the person mm. that was being uh, so I think there is actually something to be said for not divulging the names you know I'm a, I'm a person who doesn't believe for example that people who are accused of rape should be yeah. named until they're charged yeah. mm. and what I found funny is that a lot of people who wanted you had this to be named are people who actually have my view when yeah. it comes to not being named until your child was raped. If you have that view on the rape issue, I think you should be, again, don't be a hypocrite. Apply that rule universally. Yes, yeah. there yeah. was no due process, was there? There wasn't no. the, the BBC no. hadn't completed any of their own investigations, and it was this dripping of information, which, as you said, was changing day by day. Um, and it, it, you know, and, and, and made it drag on a lot longer. Um, th you know, I think what it is partly maybe is, I mean, whilst I, I totally get what you, you mean, it's just, it's the context that mm. the BBC, you know, had Jimmy Savile, had all of this, there's this sense in which they're looking after their friends. and. And then we've had Schofield, not the BBC, no. you know, and... Well, he was at the BBC originally. <laughs> well, yes, that's true, yes. yes, yes Literally so came out of the broom cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, with Hughes, I suppose there is that kind of thing whereby even by virtue of what he does, there's this sort of sense of people feel slightly deceived or something. Yeah. That, you know, I know it doesn't make any sense, but that somehow or other, because he's this rather sort of centaurian figure, you know, well, he's just, you know, did the coronation, mm. did the, 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 the Queen's death, all of this. He's sort of become a Dimbleby figure yeah. in a way. And so therefore it's feet of clay, isn't it? Yeah, and that's, that's what it's about really. Do you think there's sort of anything in the argument that the BBC is paid for by us and that therefore, 
you know, the implication is higher standards are called for. And all. I, I, I've noticed that like GB News, for example, um, some people on GB News, I think it was last night, I can't remember, but they were ch champing at the bit to get at this, you know, it was mm -hmm. very much an yes. anti-BBC thing. I mean, the BBC is not going to come out of this particularly well, is it? No, I don't think the BBC have a lot to answer for, as I've said, you know, yeah. things like the amount of time it took. Only two attempts were made to contact the parents here. One was a phone call that didn't connect, and then an email that wasn't responded to. And you would have thought, you mm -hmm. know, given that Jimmy Savile and Stuart Hall and Rolf Harris were about 10 years ago now, and given mm -hmm. the storm that engulfed the BBC at that point, that they would have rigorous processes in place to red flag issues mm -hmm. and things like this. Yeah. So that's quite remarkable. It's also remarkable that Hugh Edwards would actually knowing full well <laughs> this, the history of what's happened at the BBC in the past, I that know. he would leave such clumsy electronic paper trails, messages <gasps> and photographs, all of which can be recorded, mm -hmm. which does also sort of suggest a man in a midlife crisis mm -hmm. who's lived a life of, of, um, of uh, in the closet, in denial of himself, and is actually crumbling and almost going down a self-destructive streak on, on, on purpose. It, uh, yeah. and, but we don't know the workings there. That's why I think it's such a messy issue. We're dealing with mm -hmm. human psychology here, and we do know from that he's had mental health issues in the past because today I've heard lots of people actually judging saying oh well, this is just an easy get out clause to say mm. you've got mental health issues well we've known that he's actually been hospitalized before with yeah. uh, with depression uh, so you can quite well see under this pressure something might break we, we don't know these things we can't judge and I don't think you know none of us are free from sin no. we should be very we should yeah. be very very reticent to pass judgment before we know all the details your that's your area of psychology mm. isn't it mm. what, do, what do you make of that when it, 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 again it's confusing isn't it, it is confusing. has he been put in hospital because of all of this is that or he I th as I understood it, he was going through a particularly bad spell, right. which has been made worse by this. Yes, understandably, because yeah. it's, it's a very difficult thing to go through. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Mean, I know people are very cynical. I mean, like you said, it does seem like he's got a history of depression, so it does seem in keeping that mm. he would find this very difficult. I mean, it, I guess one also thinks of the mental health of the the young man mm -hmm. and of the family that all gets lost a bit in this I'm not saying his mental health isn't important but it does seem to be I think people are cynical because it does seem to it, it's almost a knee-jerk reaction to go to mental health so quickly mm -hmm. and although he might need genuine help I don't know why that's coming out in the media so quickly you well, know it's not none of this kind of doing it privately that you yeah, you know he well, could sort of think you know uh, you know he's, he's he has done wrong he's, or he's you know he's presumably he's you know, he's had an affair on it you know there's all sorts of things going on um that he if he needed help that he could sort of say well actually maybe i should you know do it prior you know well, there certainly shouldn't be a reason for people not to continue investigating and so yes. forth. Yeah. and what's been very interesting today looking at the bbc with two mps were asked about this and they said well given his mental health issues i don't want to pass comments thought, well, why mm. not that's not an excuse we no. can feel sympathy for someone going through that mm. but that's not an excuse or a get out of jail free card yeah, mm. yeah. but yeah, schofield exactly. used it yes he did yeah. he started talking in that interview he did and you know sort of almost uh, look, look what you've done to me and blah blah mental health has sort of become become something outside the person yeah. Do you know what I mean? Almost, it's like here it's me and here's my mental health somehow, and this is damaged. And separate, and it almost like you said, it, it it's sort of separated off from the person's own actions. It, you know, there doesn't seem to be any personal responsibility. That actually, certain decisions you made and behaviours you engaged in maybe led you to this point. You know, what what Hugh Edwards has done is does seem very self-sabotaging. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's a very experienced man. He's a mature man, and he's done things. You know, like you said, 
taking photos, putting it online, you know, getting involved with a 17-year-old. You know, if you wanted to be with a young man, you could at least maybe go for someone in their 20s where it's not so on the line, you know, in terms of legality. But he's done things that you sort of it think... Could well, you be, it could either be a thrill yes. or it could be someone who's basically hurtling uh, yeah. down towards yeah. destruction. It's it's, too, you know. He has created this situation and um, unfortunately it's come out in the way that it has, which, you know, for him is, is you know, the worst... I imagine is the worst possible scenario. There is this thing, isn't there? It's it's of people wanting, even subconsciously, to be found out. Mm. You know that mm. whether it's George Michael in a loo in Beverly Hills, or you might remember Sir Thomas Hetherington, who was the Solicitor General. This is going back a long time. He was done for curb crawling. Mm. <clears throat> now, okay, his face wouldn't be known. What would possess mm. someone who is known to the whole nation? to actually put himself in that position. This is extraordinary mm. to me. I mean, it does, as you say, seem like I, I want to be found out. I somehow want to be found out. Well, and how he did it was so curious because, you know, he drove across town during lockdown to meet some 23-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but all he did with that 23-year-old was have a cup of tea, and he was very adamant about having a cup of tea. So it, it's almost as if he's trying to come out of the closet mm. <laughs> uh, awkwardly in his own sort of way. Mm. And you know whether it's you know people often gay men tie things to their childhood, and so he's tying things to his school days in his mind and wants to connect with youngsters. But what's interesting, you know, he's around the same age that you are, mm. uh, but he came from small town Wales, mm. uh, from a very conservative Christian family. He just finished a PhD. I didn't realise on the history of Welsh chapels in London and so mm. forth. So then he got married, has five children. So never lived that sort of gay life as opposed to being in a big city where you know mm. we were more free. And you do sort of wonder whether he's got. To that midlife crisis point where a straight guy would buy have an affair and buy the buy the Lamborghini and this was his awkward way of doing it with no other outlet it's not an excuse or mm. anything but it's trying to get into the guy's head of why he would do things which was so obviously foolish well he's living a lie isn't he or he has been it seems and uh, yeah I do wonder about that generation of men maybe there is something about well yes but I mean Schofield how old Schofield sort of well, he's in, around in his late 50s too. Yeah. So, yeah. I think they're just on that cusp of when being I mean, gay was acceptable yes. to wanting, if you wanted to get ahead in life, you needed to be married and settled yeah. down. Yes. Up to a point, or copper. I mean, yeah, but you if, you're know, from, I, if you're from a small town, it's different. It's a different growing up mm, mentality. There's a shame yes, with it. That's true, yes. But I mean, I, when the whole kind of, oh, how brave Philip Schofield was, I, uh, I found that nauseating. Mm. I think it's. You know, n not in, not in light entertainment. Oh, I, no, I agree with you absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was different. But he was lying to his wife for years about it. Well, this is the other thing. Mm. I mean, that's the other thing that occurs to people. Well, what did you know, Hugh Edwards' wife know about this? You know, I mean, that's the other thing. Is that yeah. All the sympathy goes to the man, but then there's these women standing there, and and, and she was, uh, she's actually Robert Peston's editor isn't she on his show and it's mm. funny how Robert Peston has been avoiding the, yes. his best to avoid this out of respect for her yeah. which again mm. I think is abandoning your journalistic yeah. integrity yeah. you know it doesn't mm. matter who is, who is there. I really thought something that you know if you really wanted to get them on something it would be surely this thing of the lockdown and, and whether they're having a cup of tea or not you know, there he was during the whole. Lockdown. That's more my sort of. That's the hypocrisy. Yeah. Mm. This is where I really get annoyed. Mm. You know, I mean, if, if if you're someone like myself, I would you know quite happily have admitted to breaking lockdown mm. rules. So I didn't believe yeah. in them. But if you're actually espousing them yourself, yeah, mm. I think d definitely. Where do you think this leaves the um, BBC? Uh, I mean, in the sense that, uh, but basically, obviously, people who dislike the BBC. Well, I mean, I dislike the BBC. I'd like to see the license fee scrapped and all of that, mm. but not 
you know what I mean? Not for this reason. There's this sort of, there is this feeling, is there not? A bit like Al Capone being done for tax evasion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These are the kind of things that are going to bring it yeah. down uh, or weaken it so badly. Yeah. Weaken its authority, don't you think? Yeah, whereas really you could argue, you know, what presenters do in their you know, personal lives shouldn't be used in this way. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you know, it, and it is more to do with the content of the BBC, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, one thing, as you said, with him, you know, espousing certain views about lockdown and then doing the opposite. I mean, that, that is something to do with the BBC only presenting one view mm -hmm. and behind closed doors, you know, doing another. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think people have lost trust in the BBC. I mean, so many people come, coming out and saying, you know, not another one, you know, not yes, another person. Yeah, you know, yes. that, that is kind of feeling, isn't it? That yes, it's yes. almost unexpected now that it's... And I think that's really what it is. People have such um, lack of trust in the BBC and such resentment towards it mm. that they will find any reason, actually, to yeah. to inflate things, exaggerate things just to have a yeah. go at the BBC. Because yeah. let's, not, you know, let's, not, let's be clear here, we're not talking about a Jimmy Savile sort of no, situation. No, no, of course not. Or a Rolf Harris. But again, you're seeing, you're seeing those names now all coming up again as if they're somehow connected and related. Mm. I think uh, the difference is that this, this has got real, in the real sense of the word, it's quite pathetic. You know, I mean, it's sad, mm. but then yes, it's sort of yeah. pathetic yeah. And, and a great, great. Um, anyway, I mean, it's preoccupied us all for all this time. Um, and the other thing is, I think as well, we started off saying this. I got on to the uh, Twitter at the weekend. It seemed not just that everyone was naming him, um, but they almost sort of like seemed to know something I didn't. Do you know what I mean? And so it was so unanimous, it seemed. It's just like something had been going on or rumours had been mm. swirling about him for a long time or something. Um, but really, um, you know, you have the situation where a name is not named, right? And yet one in six, as you say, of the country know about it. This is down to two things, is it not? It's down to the change in the rules regarding the press and also down to the... Um, Human Rights Convention, Article 8, of the, and the right to privacy, mm. which, you know, apparently has become so bloated now that it takes in cases like this. So the Sun would definitely have named him if this had been 20 years ago, yeah, that, surely. The, oh, yeah. you know, so well, it, of course, it was, it was the Cliff Richard case, famously, where the yeah, BBC yeah. had yeah. their helicopters filming over the Cliff Richard. Uh, That's the point, actually. Mm. Yes. And of course, he was, yes. found, he, was, he was found innocent, too. Yes. So it's yeah. a very complicated uh, yeah. issue. Anyway, I mean, moving moving on, I mentioned there uh, at the very top of the programme, this uh, terrible case, but unfortunately it's one that we'd be very familiar with, you know, the principles of. Um, this fellow, Thomas Parker, mm. um, was killed. He was hit on the back of the head. Um, and because, basically, he got into an altercation uh, on a train, told these guys to please put your music down, just lower mm. the volume out of the spoon box, and then was attacked afterwards and died. And the guys ended up getting uh, 21 years in jail, uh, which will end up being, what, 10? Mm. I don't know. But it was, I don't know, it was very, an interesting case because it seems to me that these sorts of cases, you know, have been going on now for a good 20 years or so. And it seems to really bring together a lot of things that are very, very mm -hmm. broken down about Britain now. Do you do you not feel? I mean, when you when you look at this, you sort of think, "There, but for the grace of God, go I." Actually, yeah. I mean, I think a, a lot of people feel that when they're pu travelling on public transport, that it's a very hostile 
risky thing to do. Yeah, particularly transport. And I think most people, you know, people always say, you know, why, you know, when there's antisocial behaviour, there's there's an increasing lack of courtesy, it seems, Mm -hmm. on public transport. Why don't people say things? But then, of course, you see stories like this and you say, well, of course, because people are terrified. I mean, I I feel quite nervous. I mean, I work, I do shift work, so I often travel in the morning, early in the morning and late at night sometimes, which is okay in summertime. Um, but when it's dark in the winter time, it is nervous. You are sort of like, right, don't make eye contact, don't draw any attention mm-hmm. to yourself, just just get through it, you know, look about, stay safe. Um, and it is, yeah, it's not a pleasant experience. And what it, it's becoming more and more a kind of atmosphere of just look after yourself, just, you know, mm-hmm. kind of dog eat dog, just, mm-hmm. you know, just get to your destination and, you know, don't, you know, just, just focus on yourself, which is not, it's not pleasant. I mean, even people outside of London who come here, they say they notice it, you know, how, you know, hostile people are to each other. Um, Mm. It's, yeah, and I think this, you know, this story shows that, you know, it's because people are scared, you know. I think it is fear, isn't it? I mean, Mm. you still get the old Tory who sort of say, oh, well, it's the British, they always don't like to make a a fuss and they don't, no, it's you fear. know. I mean, I was, I, was on a, fear. I was on a train a couple of months ago and um, some chap two rows ahead, it was a fairly empty train, mm. had this speaker on very loudly and um, so I'm quite a big chap and I can be intimidating so I went over and leant over and said, would you mind turning that down? Um, which which he looked quite shocked and did, but then I thought actually if he had a knife, mm. doesn't matter how mm. big you are, <laughs> that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And this follows on from an incident a few days ago in Toronto. Now the Toronto mm. subway, where which I've ridden many times, was famed for being the safest in North America, uh, and now a similar case has happened there. Everyone ru- and it's been videoed. Everyone's always happy to video oh, these yeah. events rather than actually take part. And you just saw crowds rushing. And I thought all it takes are two or three people to say, look, let's get together and stop this, and mm. it will be stopped. Yeah. And yet no. No one seems to take the initiative and just say, no, but then I think, well, would I do that? I'd like to think that I would, but in the heat of the moment, it's difficult. It but it is so depressing because you have to, I often say, well, that's it. There's clear proof that we have peaked as a civilization. Mm-hmm. That's mm. it. Because we have now lost that common bond mm-hmm. of social cohesion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry to say, but this is what happens when you get to levels of super diversity in cities mm-hmm. where people cease to have any sense of uh, comradeship, any sense of, a, of mutual connection because they come from different backgrounds, mm. uh, they have different sto- life stories, they have different cultural reference points and they begin to lose trust in one another mm. and once you lose that trust you know that you can't depend upon each other and I often, I've often said this before actually but if you, if you have people together who don't come from the same background there's less of a chance of them trusting each other mm. but also as, been, as has been found even within ethnic communities mm. for example people tend not to trust each other when they live in big cities full of super diversity because they can for an old lady falling over you used to imagine that well that could be my grandmother yeah but now yeah. that's gone because that doesn't look like your grandmother mm. and it's these little mm. things that build upon creating a sense of separateness in societies and i think this is just evidence of that Along with, of course, the greater social, um, the social disintegration around issues like crime and so forth, where people think no one's going to be punished for their crimes. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, yes, exactly. I mean, the, the, the super diversity, I think, is, is, is really important. But mm-hmm. the, the general destruction of what you might call peer pressure. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, there's it a general. It makes me distru- think of that. That uh, was it. TikTok star Mizzy, I think his name was, that was yeah. doing all these pranks, mm. um, oh, yes, that's right. and and yeah. going into people's homes and doing really antisocial things, yeah. and it was all just a sort of a, a laugh, and it wasn't. You know, people didn't really take it seriously, and he got invited onto 
you know, Piers Morgan became a celebrity. Um, and it, it was, you know, how, why does he think that's okay? And he, he, it's almost he had no sense of, um, you know, the social contract or how you're supposed no. to behave in public. And I think this is only going to get worse. I mean, I saw a story, I think it was last week, about how um, they're trying to scrap train staff. So, you know, when you arrive mm. at the station, there's people sending tickets or people giving information. And for me, when I was, was travelling at odd hours, you know, I'd sort of think, once I get to the station, then there's people there, so I'll be safe. Yeah. And now it's going to become, you don't even have that sort of it's safety exactly, point. Yeah, you yeah. just get there and it's like a, you know, it's all, it's totally inhuman. Um, there's nobody around and um, there's no one there that you can sort of look to an authority and um, it's going to become more digitalized and mm. it's going to be it's going to be even more hostile yes um, exactly yes. And, the, and the funny thing is of course we live in this digital age mm. where they should all know that there are cameras on every bus there are mm. cameras mm. on every train mm. so they're clearly going to get caught mm. cctv in the stations on the streets mm. yet they still do it i think it's the same thing as road rage you know where mm. people now they, they know so much about their rights rather than their responsibilities as a citizen once they get contradicted or it's just the same as cutting somebody off in a car it's mm. that mm. they see red mm. <laughs> they cannot stand someone telling them what to do yeah. and they react even though they know that they're, they're being filmed and it all comes down to this ter terribly pernicious thing we have now in society of respect you've mm. disrespected me mm. Mm. it began in the school system back in the 80s you used to get mm. the don't diss me you know, don't disrespect don't me, me yeah. and now it's throughout so asking someone to take their feet off the streets even though they're off, off mm. the seat even though they're being disrespectful you are disrespecting them by telling them to do that yes well, exactly I d well, it, it, it took it was out of my mouth I did this piece for standpoint magazine um, we, this was during the you know when ASPOs came in and everything mm -hmm. this, this was quite a long time ago but it was a case of a, a guy on um, top of a bus uh, this group of kids were throwing chips at his girlfriend do you remember this one and he again ended up dead mm -hmm. right because he told them to stop and uh, so it was around that time so I went around for a week on public transport that's tubes trains buses mm -hmm. And just with so much absurd courtesy almost asking people would you mind turning that down whatever mm. so you have people on their phones for example tops of their voices mm. swearing badly in carriages where there are people with kids things like yeah. that and uh, as you say there was this moral inversion that they sort of are shocked and actually horrified they think you are the rude one mm. They think, you know, yeah. you, how, who are you to tell me, or who are you to tell me to take my, you know, someone's got to sit there, do you mind not putting it in all of this? Mm -hmm. And so, and the situation's not changed, the only change is we've got used to it, mm -hmm. we've utterly got used to it. Mm -hmm. But you see, the other thing is that there are loads of things that come into the story like this. Where are the police? Yeah. Why did no one even think of going to the police, for example? Then you've got... The judge. I don't know whether you read the, the, mm. the summing up. Oh, I saw that. One of the. What is it? He's he said something about one of the things that should be taken into account was potential for racism because yes. the, the perpetrator was black. That that was a reason for uh, him having a lighter sentence or something to take yes. into consideration that racism. It didn't seem to be a, any part of the story whatsoever. So it's simply just because he's black. I don't know. Yes, it was that, and also um, he he equivocated. He, he sort of said, uh, "This is a, a tragedy for both sides." This yes, is the judge. I saw that. Yeah. Um, because of course they've lost their son, the family of uh, Tom Parker, and but the other one thing, and the children, the four children of this this man who killed mm. him, uh, are going to be deprived of his companionship as a father. And he, he, he sort of said, uh, really probably a good thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean he had ten previous convictions. It wasn't a you know, <laughs> it you was know. pretty obvious that you know his behaviour. Yeah.
So it's the randomness of all mm. of this, isn't it? I mean, I've noticed actually around this, and it was a few people on, quite high profile people on mm. Twitter, for example. Sorry to keep mentioning Twitter. But I mean, you know, the, the people like uh, Nick Timothy, for example, relating stories about them being in London at the mm. moment and, and just really furious. And in his case, it was someone pushed past his wife and then was abusive to mm. her or something. I don't know if you saw this, but. Um, but basically saying that this is more London now, you know, this is, and I sort of thought, welcome to your, my world, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. this is, that is really what it's like, but I'm not, sh I'm sure it's not just London, I'm sure it's city-wide, I'm sure it's countrywide now, really. Mm -hmm. Yes, well, it's across the Anglosphere, it's absolutely yeah. across the Anglosphere, and of course it's even worse in North America, where of course we're seeing that, you know, Democrat-led states mm -hmm. and cities aren't, aren't, yeah. um, on punishing criminals. And defunding the police. And defunding the police. I mean, the, doesn't everything become much more simple to understand if you just realize that our judiciary or whatever our loose does not really like punishing people yes, that the yeah. liberal view is that it's not actually really your fault it is external to you so if you feel that punishment becomes something you do as a last resort well, what's happening is that people um, are relying on the police less and less i mean i know that p private security firms are doing big business now in, in, in yeah. London that a lot of wealthy people just rely on their own security because yeah. they just don't think the police would help them and because even crime there's no there's nowhere in London that people feel safe anymore yeah. because crimes are happening even in wealthy areas so people that can afford it just have their own you know yeah. security and the rest of us that can't we, we just have to look after ourselves yeah, yeah, and in America companies are moving out of cities because mm. of course mm. people have carte blanche to just shoplift mm. <laughs> and we've mm. all seen yes. on the internet these terrible mm. videos of people just very happily in quite quite relaxed going around the shelves yeah, no. and leaving because they yeah. know nothing will happen and so companies are actually closing down their shops in, in cities across America it's quite an amazing thing uh, but you know we just have to look to, look to Singapore to see how a country can exist mm -hmm. with very strict rules on uh, on um, public behavior mm -hmm. from spitting on the streets to chewing spitting out chewing gum and, and uh, you know we can get caned and so forth mm -hmm. uh, I mean I think that's draconian but their crime rate yeah. is infinitesimal compared to ours it's an incredibly sort of complacent attitude amongst people in authority about this they sort of think oh they, they, they sort of think we're just a bunch of merry white houses you know in a different context you know they say oh you know twas ever thus you know look at Hogarth's pictures and <laughs> you know look at blah 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 in other words don't you know nothing to see here this is so obviously not the case mm. you know and I think it's because this is the result of all their liberal handiwork there is something to the point of the Hogarthian world. The point was we evolved up yeah. to that. You know, yeah, London was a terribly dangerous place if you were uh, in the 18th century, the early 19th century. But we became, post in the Victorian era, we became far more civilised. And it's, we would like to stay that way. Yeah. I think that's the point. Actually, that, that's a good point there. Mm. Do you think, do you think that in fact the period of around about, I think this, of around mid-century, 20th century, was a high point in terms of general civic organization and behavior because if so then we absolutely got the tail end of it right so we've got something to compare it mm -hmm. with but in fact if you think things were nasty brutish and short and everything before mm -hmm. and now they've become that way again that was the time that it was, was yeah, of was. extraordinary social cohesion yeah you know, huge union, uh, organized union power as well. Amazing educational Amazing standards. Amazing educational thing. Yeah. Uh, 
extraordinary and basically maybe that was it and that we're just uh, down the other side as you say now mm. um well until we have um social credit system in place to keep us all in check oh, <laughs> People are gradually waking up to the possibility of this now, mm. aren't they? But, but that is going to be part of the future, where we have mm. television cameras on, I mean, CCTV everywhere, mm. monitoring our behavior, and people will be penalized, and of course there will, mm. there will be some sort of AI robocop police around at that mm. point as well. So, so we yeah. are going into a world which will become more social, but less free. There'll um, be high <laughs> standards, but it will be through tyranny rather than... Exactly. Yeah. Through tyranny, yeah, yes. Yeah. I think we've already seen a few glimmers of that, really, mm. haven't we, with the pandemic. Mm. Um, just, just to round off there's this sort of slightly strange case actually which is about um, well centered around York Minster apparently banning a group um, called Where's Welby which is quite a clever name actually obviously referring to the Archbishop of Canterbury but they are a kind of group that is pro-life would you say and essentially they are claiming that they were banned from just simply praying uh, in York Minster, whereas other groups, environmentalists, whatever, were fine. Um, what do you make of this story? It does seem it's got the ring of truth about it, simply because just look at what's happening to the church. Well, yeah, well, it seems as though this particular church is completely captured because it wasn't long ago, I think, the Archbishop of, uh, of, of the York uh, min Minister was um, saying that uh, they were talking about banning the Lord's Prayer or, or saying that it shouldn't oh, have our father. It's the same. It's the same mm. group of people saying that, that having the word father in the Lord's Prayer was you know, that God is non-binary and that even having the word father was could be potentially triggering for people that have been abused by their father, which is just you could say that about any word. Any word yes. could be linked to any potential hurt that but somebody experienced. But the parochialism of thinking like that when in relation to God, yes. you know, basically some people have had bad experiences with their father. Well, this is a scene, these are senior yeah. church people. These are not just like crazy vicars. Yeah, the Anglican community, the, the Anglican communion policy globally is that it's supposed to be impartial. It's supposed to be a broad church. So it would, it would allow people who are pro-abortion, anti-abortion, pro-gay marriage, and you know, yeah. it's supposed to be. But obviously we see that that's not what's happening in terms of that these were people that were protesting outside of the church they weren't causing any harm, but they were told that they can't come in because they could potentially cause harm. Yeah. So there's this potential for harm, which hasn't even occurred. So it's more about people trying to please people with different views. Um, and it, it's just it's just symptomatic of something, you know, what's happening broadly within Christianity and that it's turning into something that's either sort of woke or just this sort of bland spiritualism that wants to do away with sort of flatten out all the specifics of Christianity because it is a specific religion it's the Bible is located in certain places of certain people of certain you know it is yeah. a father it is God the father it's not just a it's mm. not like Buddhism it's not something that can be whatever you, you know and now people sort of say well God can be whatever you want it to be um, yeah it's it's just it's just part of something I wider. wonder if God has his own truth Yes, <laughs> post-modern. I, I am the truth and the way. But this yeah. organisation is called uh, Where's Wellby, yeah. and yeah. Uh, Keith Bates from GB News wrote an article about about all of this, 
and it basically is asking where is Welby, where is he mm -hmm. taking a stand on mm -hmm. moral issues mm -hmm. that the church has always stood up for, such as be it abortion and so forth. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is that next next to this organization was a climate protest organization mm -hmm. and they were allowed to come into the uh, into mm -hmm. the church and so that really just does i think show you that there's quite a lot of going on in in, in this story um but it's just more and more evidence again of this disconnect mm -hmm. between the clergy and the laity because mm -hmm. the laity still are very much in the church of england the tory party at prayer they still hold traditional small c conservative beliefs whereas the the clergy um, have you know is, is the Corbynista party of prayer? You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. the Green Party of prayer. It's, there's a you know, as with all our institutions, this disconnect is growing ever wider, and it sticks in the craw to see to see the Archbishop of Canterbury, who should be upholding the Christian tradition of this country, uh, so quick to try to tear it down and dismantle it. Don't you think though that they really it was a, a mortal blow maybe uh, during the pandemic when they closed churches yeah, and when they stopped choirs singing mm. for this kind of spurious reason that, that that might actually you know spread the pandemic um the very time do you know during yeah. the blitz church halls were the places that people went to to be together you know not they weren't all you know they might have been atheists many of the people for we know it's not the point mm. but the, the idea that they would close during that period or like pubs, of course well, they're open. And this week we've just had the uh, Archbishop Welby last week saying that universities should be punished for uh, and their funding should be cut if they abuse students. So on which, what universities are abusing yeah. students of minorities? I mean, these yeah. are the most woke institutions in the world. And then this week we found out that Church of England schools are teaching pupils about the white supremacy pyramid and how they should be ashamed of their race because of, of white yeah. privilege. I mean, it's, it's, there's been a revolution within our churches. They Should seem to be, yeah, they talk about issues which actually it's not their place to talk about, and yet they don't talk about the issues like, like issues of life that it was their place to talk about. Yeah. So you know, you know Welby's position on you know, refugees or, or universities, but not on abortion. You know, yes. th 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 those aren't the things that he's very vocal about. It's particularly this thing that it should be a, a pro-life group, mm. you know, who yes. are banned as well. I mean, you know, that is it's extraordinary, is isn't extraordinary, it? It is extraordinary, yeah. I mean, I think what's always struck me about this though is that um, we, we talk about this, but, you know, okay, there's a growing disconnect, but the church never seems to sort of you know, show its concern for the lack of people in its mm. pews. It never seems mm. to. It's almost like they, it's almost like they feel well. We don't deserve it. Well, yeah. it's always chasing after a demographic yeah. that it's never going to get. Yes, that's exactly. the thing. It's, it's neglecting its own congregation yeah. Yeah. to chase people who are dyed in the wool atheists with pink hair. You know? Yes, <laughs> yeah. The wo people who are really dahar wouldn't, wouldn't go near a church. So I don't know why they're trying to appeal to that yeah. to that group. Mind you, maybe it was ever thus. Do you remember the episode of, of Yes, Prime Minister, where the Prime Minister is, has to appoint one of the, a, a bishop, as they do, and he went down the list and he, he looked looked at one as Humphrey said, "Oh, he's a he's a bit of a, a maverick," and, what, and they said, "Why? Well, he actually believes in God." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> on that on that note, thanks very much, Ray. Thanks very much, Amy. Oh, by the way, how's your campaign going? Yeah, it's, it's Amy is, you must know by now, is, is campaigning uh, against actually the NHS and, and well, basically the use of critical race theory. Yes, Isn't that right? right? Yeah. In, so, and, and that things are going along? Yeah, I mean, the legal process is very slow, um, but it's coming along. We're waiting to hear back from the courts um, and 
yeah I, I mean I don't I still it's a bit like how long is a piece of string with a little yeah. case you don't know quite how long it's going to go on for or how much money it's going to cost but I've yeah I'm doing I'm doing okay so yeah, doing thank okay. you for everyone's support yeah. well as soon as there's any kind of progress yes. on, on that you're here yes yes right. will okay. be. <laughs> thanks very much thank again you. thank you babe and that's it for this week and we shall see you next time thanks bye hello if you're enjoying the new culture forum channel and you believe in our mission may i invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website newcultureforum.org.uk our work is more important now than ever and we have great plans ahead for the future but we can't do it without your support from as little as three pounds per month you can help ensure that we continue on our mission as a member you'll receive a range of benefits including access to exclusive content invitations to our private events including here at our studios free copies of our books and much much more including of course our famous ncf mug if you aren't able to become a member then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel it's completely free just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.